0: Fast forward to 2013, I lost my job when I was over 50 years old. Can you imagine the impact? Because we define ourselves, and you don't realize it, but we define ourselves by our job way too often. We're, not, we're more than our jobs. We're more than our careers. But you get caught up in the rat race of life, and you get lost in your job or your career, and that becomes who you are, so to speak. And when I lost my job, that was a huge, a huge wake-up call for me. The whole concept for MOVE is M, make a difference. O, to offer up your time, talent, and gifts. B, there's victory in the small things, and E, to encourage others. And so I started to MOVE.
1: Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the MOVE podcast. My name's Scotty Carlisle, and I will be your host for the next Hair to Freckle, and I guess that means about an hour to an hour and a half, I'm guessing. Uh, Maybe quick, maybe longer, I don't know. But sit tight, buckle up, and open your ears. Today's guest has, he's been around. He's been around, he's had a lot of different life experiences, And I wanted him on the show because he has several interesting stories. And I wanted to dig into a couple things because I like what he does. And he's overcome adversity. He is helping people in a number of ways. And he's just a cool guy. (laughs) You know, and that helps. It helps when you're just a cool guy. So without any further ado, Mr. Randy Powell. How you doing? <laughs> yeah. Good. What an introduction. Yeah, you know I could have gone way, way more than that, but no, I figured no. we got to get into it at some point. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: But thank you for showing up, man. Thank you for coming it's awesome. to the show.
0: I, I appreciate the opportunity to sit down and have a chat with you.
1: Yeah. Me too. Me too. So, so how did we get to this point? Where did, where did it come from?
0: Well, I think it came from the universe. I think when you're on the same frequency, you're trying to live life to its fullest trying to add value to people's lives. I think those things bring people together that are on the same frequency. So in short, I think that's how it happened. I met you in Toastmasters and we live in a small community. We think of it as a big city, Temecula, Marietta, you know, all that location in Southern California, but it's really not that, not that big a community. And when people stand out, they just stand out. And so I think, uh, in terms of opportunities and people trying to work to better themselves we happen to connect and we'll see where that goes right yeah long-term yeah. relationships That's, yeah
1: i'm i'm looking forward to it you yeah. know it's all about relationships i agree it's, it's extremely important i agree and, and you know we went and met and had some coffee and and got into some real interesting conversation god bless america i keep saying that word interesting and now i think it's a, up to like 50 bucks because it's a filler word that i use because i don't have a better word and i know that okay. and i keep using it doggone it but and I, I, need to I, stop. I think that happens that
0: <laughs> happens to all of us
1: yeah there are interesting things so there are certain times i guess that the word is is necessary True. but True. so but regardless we had some what what's the word maybe profound maybe some deep
0: i was going to say deep, deep came to mind. insightful insightful deep came to mind and and, and bonding i think when yeah. you when you spend time talking to a person you get to know a little bit more about the person things start churning and and burning so to speak and you you find things that are even, you're even closely related to and closely uh knitted to and and i think that has a certain resonance about it as well yeah, yeah. I agree and and
1: one of the things that you know as I look at you and and where you have come and where you are now is a testament to the fact that we have the ability to affect our future and we have the choice to do things that make a positive impact we don't have to we get to yeah and and so maybe Can you give me a little background story on where you came from, right now what you do, and then maybe, so first of all, what you do right now, and then what led you to that point?
0: What led me to that? What I do right now is professional speaking and success coaching. My brand is Envision Success, and the idea of that is when you say Envision Success, success is a general term, you know, but a lot of people most people, in fact, have some visual representation in their minds of what that might be for them. So the first thing I'd like to clarify is when I use success, I use it with the understanding that success is defined by the individual. That's most important. But I use it in general so people can start thinking about what that means to them as we engage one another. In vision, is important because we all have something that we're striving for, even if it's a dream right now. But we all have something out there futuristically, at least most people. We all have something that we want. We all have a need to feel significant, to become significant, whether it's in our own lives or in the lives of other people. So what's important there, when I think of Envision, I think of the individual who's seeking something better and being able to put that in some kind of like clay be able to shape that into what they envision for themselves so therefore the name envision success how i got into speaking and coaching was kind of strange because i never thought about coaching before i started coaching and what well, that's i was interesting <laughs> yeah in fact i never wanted to become a speaker my wife told me what I was supposed to be doing at that particular point in my life. So let me do a Will Smith uh, reverse a little (laughs) bit, and then I'll come back to speaking and coaching. Well, I wrote a family prayer many, many years ago, and it was for a family reunion. Flew to Ohio, delivered the prayer, which I wrote in one night. And while delivering the prayer for the family, people got up on tables. And when it was all over, they were saying, go Reverend Powell, go Reverend Powell. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but eventually on the way home, we're sitting on the plane, my wife goes, that's what you were supposed to be doing. And I said, what? And she said, speaking. And I said, no way. <laughs> so like a good husband, I ignored her for two more years. (laughs) And eventually she asked me, would I sit down with this coach? And I quickly said, well, sit down. What does that mean? Well, my boss, she said, has a coach, knows this coach. And she thought you should sit down with that person and have some conversation and I said, well, sit down with him. She said, maybe breakfast. I said, is he buying? <laughs> <laughs> and so just so happens, I drove to, court, to Corona, California, and sat down with this gentleman. We had breakfast. He didn't buy, but that's okay. And he asked me, had I ever heard of Toastmasters? And I said, I've heard of Toastmasters, but I don't know exactly what they do. And he said, well, why don't you look it up? There's got to be a Toastmasters club in Temecula, which I did. The first club I called, and they didn't seem that friendly. I thought, well, let me try another club. So I called 1677 Temecula Toastmasters. I remember it as clear as, the, as a bell. And the gentleman that answered was just as lively and interesting as you would say in his in his approach, <laughs> friendly. And I went to visit the club. And I've been a Toastmaster now for over 10 years. Well, as part of Toastmasters, I started realizing that There's something to this communication thing. There's something to this improving your speaking ability, your communication, and that sort of thing. And what I think was most important were the types of people, many different types of people coming to Toastmasters in hopes of not only improving their communication skills, not necessarily speaking, but having the courage to speak to other people, to have the courage to speak in front of people. And it didn't dawn on me how important, not only of a skill, how important that would be to an individual who, who was shattered by fear of public speaking, who would be in groups in a room and not speak to other people because of fear. So I started getting into it, you know, and, and the next thing you know, someone asked me, would I mentor them? And I thought, I'm new <laughs> myself. But this person saw something in me, and we connected, and so I did. And when I heard this person's story, it was overwhelming because this gentleman came from Mexico, had lost everything, and he came to Toastmasters to find out if he could restart his life. He had his mother and his his dad with him, and he was responsibly the sole person responsible for them. When I heard his story, it was heart-wrenching. And I won't go into details, of course, because we don't have that much time. But it moved me. And he said to me, he was starting an ambulatory service, and he said, if, would it be possible to sit down with him on Saturday mornings? And I talked to my wife about it, and she said, well, okay. You know, she wasn't that thrilled, but she understood, kind of. And I sat down with this gentleman for an entire year. Didn't know that I was making a difference. Fast forward a couple years later, I saw him at a conference, and it was the end of the day, almost the end of the day, and he had to leave. And I was staying until the very end. He gave me an envelope, and he says, take this. I got to go. And I said, okay. So I got out to the car at the end of the conference, and I took off my sport coat, and I remembered that Ben had left me an envelope. So I opened it up, and I started reading. It was just a simple one-page note. And I started reading, and I was getting choked up. I'm a big guy. <laughs> I got halfway through it, and I called my wife. I said, she said, well, I told her, I said, you know, Ben wrote me this note, and it's only a one-page note, but, you know, I'm getting kind of choked up. She said, come on home, and we'll finish it together. We sat on the couch. We finished the, the note together, and she looked at me. She said, I told you that's what you're supposed to be doing. And what he had done was wrote, he had written a note about how thankful he was for the help that I gave him. And he wanted to know why a person would spend an entire year sitting down with them. And he just couldn't understand what, what would bring Toastmasters to, to do that for people. Hmm. And so we talked about it sometime, you know, my wife and I. And that kind of opened the doors to me realizing that maybe there was something to this sitting down with people, this communicating with people, this listening to other people, and maybe offering them some thoughts maybe offering them not just a listening ear but once you hear their story maybe giving them some courage or inviting them to dig deeper to find out you know what are their alter, what are what are the solutions what are the possibilities and that mix of that happening and then me speaking inside of toastmasters and that development process i call it the boot camp of public speaking Well, I got my first offer to speak at Toastmasters doing a keynote for about 350 people at what we call Toastmasters Leadership Institute.
1: That was a little nerve-wracking, huh? 350 people. people. Of Toastmasters that are speaking people.
0: Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So I spoke, and one year later, we were at Cal Baptist University, I'll never forget it. A lady came up to me, she said, I heard you speak, Randy, a year ago. And I never got to say anything to you. And I was in a re- very bad place in my life at that time. And I said, I'm listening to her, and they're taking the mics off of me. And, and what's happening is the cameras are going down. People are moving, scattering to their breakout sessions. But I only focused on her. The, the movement in the room kind of dissipated. And I was listening to what she said, and she said, I was at a place where I was really considering ending my life. But she said, I heard you speak, and I heard some of the things you said. You talked about your grandmother living to be 103 and a half years old and what some of the things that she had taught you through life and what your mom stood for. And I started thinking about the value that they had given, and they had raised boys in some crazy times back in the 60s. And I was driving home and I decided to make a decision. I made a decision that I wasn't going to, uh, I was going to change the, the, the direction of my life. And she said, I just wanted to tell you that I appreciate you and thank you. Thank you for that. And as she's wow. telling me this, I didn't even know how to accept it or to hear it. And she just walked and faded off into the, to the day. They got the mics off me. I went to the, straight to the men's room start splashing water on my face. <laughs> that he
1: was cr- cranked up pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, and I
0: know people in the, ma- in, the ma- in the men's room were looking at me like, what is wrong with him? <laughs> but I had never had anybody tell me anything like that before in my entire life. And as I cleaned up and got cooled down and got my composure, I thought about it later driving home. And I got to about, I guess, a three-quarter mark on the freeway towards home, and I said, "Okay, maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing because I've never experienced anything like this in my life where someone's looking at me and they're telling me that they were going to do something horrible, and that I had some small impact on that, so I never forget that day, and i I remember driving home, and I was almost home and i I thought I said, okay, lord." <laughs> If this is what I'm supposed to be doing at this point in my life. So I didn't take it so serious that I was going to become a professional speaker at that time. That wasn't what happened. It's just that if I could help people, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's all I knew right then. Hmm. Fast forward to 2013, I lost my job and I was over 50 years old. Can you imagine the impact? Because we define ourselves and you don't realize it but we define ourselves by our job way too often we're not, we're more than our jobs we're more than our careers but you get caught up in the rat race of life and you get lost in your job or your career and that becomes who you are so to speak and when i lost my job that was a huge a huge wake-up call for me because i was part of toastmasters and i experienced those things in toastmasters and i had The revelation that maybe I had a gift other than the gifts that I had been using for my careers throughout my four or five careers. I thought, okay. But when it first hit me, it wasn't that easy. It was one of those things. You know how when you have a sports team and and the team wins, sneaks up on the coach, and it's got that big cold Gatorade jug, (laughs) and they dump that on you? And that that sensation, that shock that this really, that this happened. Different kind of shock, but it's that shock factor. Yeah. When I lost my job, it was a shock factor. And I thought, I'm not the only one that's ever lost my job. Was, why am I feeling this way? I'm feeling so lost, you know, so disconnected. In fact, I drove around town for a while trying to figure out, how am I going to tell my wife? What am I, oh, what are my adult kids going to say? What are they going to think of me? You know, so that was that was the first wake up call. It really, you know, got put positioned me, I guess you would say, to start thinking differently. But that didn't come easy and didn't come right away. Took about six months, six months of mild depression, kind of like woes me. You know, I called my coach and I said, my speaking coach, and she said, come on down. So I took my wife, Susan, and we went to San Diego And she had already told me, don't quit your day job until you're actually working and and earning an income speaking. (laughs) Well, about that. (laughs) No problem, Cheryl. Well, about that conversation a few years ago. (laughs) And uh, I said, I lost my job. She said, great. I said, what? She said, great. You've just been freed up to do what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm like, (laughs) I looked at my wife. She looked at me. We had lunch and I drove home. And we talked about that driving home, but it still, you know, was not easy.
1: So at that point, did you sit down and, and try to factor in a financial plan as far as, okay, if I'm going to be a a speaker, I need to make money at doing this, right? Because I just lost my income source. So now, and how am I going to use speaking to do that? And then what activities am I going to do? Or how? What, what, were the, what was the thought process at that point?
0: Wow. I never thought about it from a financial standpoint. And I guess I was blessed in that sense. First of all, I'm retired Air Force, so I had some income. And I'm blessed to have a really intelligent wife who has a wonderful company that she owns. And she said, honey, just retire. And I said, that's not me, (laughs) but I got to figure this out. And so with the help of her, the love of her, my family, and Toastmasters, I was able to start talking to some of my my mentors. And what that did was that gave me the moment and the time to vent, to release some things, and to really go in search of what it was that should be next on my plate. What should I be focusing on? And as my coach, Cheryl, she indicated, just Go back in time, look at what's, what's accomplished, what you've accomplished in your past, and then come forward and see what you might find out about yourself. Mm. You know, we don't I spend enough time alone with ourselves. You know, I've heard John Maxwell saying he has a thinking chair. And when it's time for thinking, he sits down in that same chair, he calls it his thinking chair. And I remember thinking about John Maxwell, because I studied John Maxwell and many others. But we don't take enough time out just for ourselves to to really dig down deep. So I started doing that. And I spent time out by myself, even away from my wife. And I reflected on where I'd come from, how I grew up, some of the challenges that I faced over a long period of time. You know, we all have ups and downs throughout life. And we learn things. And the important thing is, did we learn from what we learned, what we should have learned? Did we actually learn what we should have learned? You can learn a lot of things, but was it something you should have learned? Right. And did you, keep, did you keep that? Did you put it in your pocket in case you need it later in life? And so with that, I decided to really look deeper than i had ever looked at myself. And it took about a year. It took about an entire year. And I came up with this blueprint. And the very first thing in the blueprint that I had to deal with was, who am I? Who is Randy Powell? And I don't know if anybody else had ever asked themselves that, but I had to ask myself that. And I thought I was on to something because I thought, okay, if I know who I am, then maybe... If I could answer, who am I? Then I could answer the question of, what am I supposed to be doing with this life that's been given to me? Because I had a couple of near misses, big ones, and now i had lost my job. So there had to be something more to life than just what I was experiencing. With that, I thought, okay, who am I? Why am I here? Because the second question, why am I here because my brother my younger my oldest brother passed away when he was twenty one but yet my grandmother lived to be a hundred and three and a half. He didn't live long enough to be that religious or follow faith that much, but yet my grandmother was a devout Methodist hmm. and she lived to be a hundred and three and a half. you know, I'm trying to grapple with young, old, some live. You know, short lives. Some are blessed and live long lives. What does all this mean? So, who am I? If I could answer, why am I here? Because I had a couple of near deaths. Almost drowned once. Have asthma. That almost took me out a couple of times. I had been in some severe car accidents. That almost took me out. And I'm still here. Why do I get a second and third chance and fourth chance? and And, and maybe even... Some more than that, right? And then if, I'm, if I can figure out who I am and why am I still here, then what am I supposed to be doing now? I'm over 50 years old. I'm unemployed, which I couldn't even say that I was fired or that I was unemployed when it first happened. It was too much shame and guilt. Right. But it was a blessing in disguise. I didn't know it at the time. And I had always moved from company to company, to better positions. I always knew, felt inside, when it was time to move on, when I had served all I could serve at this company or this position. And it had always done well. And this one company, I waited and I stayed and I got complacent. Even though I knew I should be moving on, I got complacent. So I learned something about complacency. When you start to feel that that system inside of you, it's unstable. Mm -hmm and you know it's connected to your career, your work, or what you're doing, then something has to be going on that you ought to pay attention to. And I didn't pay attention to it. And my wife even said to me, because I started speaking up about things I thought were wrong inside the company, how we were treating clients was not right ethically. And what that led my wife to say is they're going to fire you. And I said, they're not going to fire me. She said, they're going to fire you. Hmm. Lo and behold, they fired me. They, they they said I wasn't on their team anymore. And I wasn't really on their team anymore because I didn't agree with them. They quick. wanted
1: the group think, and you were not helping out. You're not, not conducive out. to that.
0: Not helping out. You know? So, a long story short, those three questions I tell people now I think are the most important questions they need to ask themselves. And what that led me to was purpose. I know my purpose inside and out. I live my purpose, and money has never been a part of that. It's important, I recognize that, and of course, making a good living is important and a part of you know, getting your freedom number, so to speak, and being able to go and come and choose and give back to the world and all that, and that's all wonderful, and, and I do that, we do that as a couple, but it was never my main focus. Now, over the last couple of years, because I formalized my business and it got more s- specific, and intentional about growing my company of course that's part of it now but it wasn't early on it was just fulfilling my purpose serving others as much as I could serve help people as much as I could because I realized that at any point in time life can be taken from you I recognize that at any point in time that there are a hundred million people out there that are not living their purpose their dream and they're unhappy miserable and you ever you ever walk up on somebody and you hear them talking and you see this happiness in in them that it's like I want some of what that person has. <laughs> yeah. You know? you ever been around those yeah, kind of people. Yeah, absolutely. They've got they've got it. And it doesn't have anything to do with finances or money or anything. It has to do with this internal fulfillment and happiness and joy. And that can only come from when you identify your purpose and you're working in it, you're living inside your purpose. And and so that is something that I think is the number one thing that, putting it out in my blueprint, so that I could share that with other people. So that's that's the first part of what I learned when I went back and started looking at my history and what had occurred.
1: What are your thoughts about accountability? So so we work together. Um, we answer questions. If you're working with me, and then I. I do a deep dive into these questions about who am I why am I here mm-hmm. uh, what's my purpose I feel like there's a very important part that gets people from A to to Z or A to X or wherever that is and that that is ca- accountability and I know that I've missed the bus a lot of times because I want to do X, Y, and Z and doggone it I don't I'm not accountable to myself. I'm not doing the little things, because I know, this is the thing, I know that the little things equal the big things. But why am I not doing the little things? So, <laughs> so, so how often does that come up when you're working with somebody, and how important is that? It's extremely important, accountability.
0: Well, for, for example, one of the reasons people seek a coach is for structure to be held accountable because they know they're not being they're not holding themselves it's not that they can't hold themselves accountable everything is done in in a way that it's designed for you to create habits and until you create the habit and habits are part discipline is part of habits so you have to create the habit and that comes from discipline so you have to be a disciplined individual now you might be disciplined on a lot of other things but it may not, you may not be disciplined on yourself. You may hold your son accountable, or your wife accountable, or your employees accountable. But when it comes to you holding yourself accountable, it's a little more difficult. Snooze. Yes. Right, Right. (laughs) Preston? A little more difficult. So it all comes to, how do I create the habit? If you have a daily routine, if you don't know that you have a daily routine, you're probably all over the place. But if you have a daily routine and you, you work that daily routine every single day, then that becomes a habit. And then the only time you change or let something impact that habit is if it's an emergency. If something of extremely high importance gets in the way, you have to make an adjustment. But you go right back to the next day of, of working your routine, which is a habit. So you feel uncomfortable when you're not doing that. And so as you feel uncomfortable, it starts gnawing at you because you know you're not in sync with what you ought to be doing. And so as we coach, same sort of thing occurs. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when you are off, you will feel off because we're emotional beings. So everything needs to be tied to the emotion because that is what sparks people. That's what ignites the fire. That's what keeps them in the game. If they're not emotionally connected, and if you find your purpose, you are going to be emotionally connected to that purpose, to fulfilling that purpose. Because if you know who you are, you know why you exist, you know what you're supposed to be doing with your life at this point. And for me, it's what I'm supposed to be doing from now to the end. For some people, it might be at this stage in their life. See, I look at life as four quarters, kind of like football. First quarter is zero to 60. Second quarter is what? If the first quarter, I'm sorry, zero, <clears throat> zero to 20. So if the first is zero to 20, what's the second quarter? 20 to 40. And what's the third quarter? 40 to 60. And what's the last quarter? 60 to 80. S- 60 Whoa.
1: plus. 60 plus, okay. Right. So I would hope that, yeah, 60. I, okay, so I would hope it would be more, but if I can get it to 80, man, that's a win.
0: 80 is cool, but just, <laughs> that's why I just leave yeah. it at 60 plus. Now, you don't have any choice in the matter when it comes to zero to 20. First quarter of life, you really don't have much choice. Yeah. You're born, you're going to school, you're, 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 you're doing all the things that teenagers do, and the next thing you know, you're in the second quarter. What happens at halftime? Got to make some adjustments. Every football team goes inside the locker room. They make some adjustments. Even if they're winning, they make some adjustments. They come out. Now you've got half your life is gone. You recognize it. And now you've made some adjustments because you, you see that you're not really, really where you want to be. <laughs> so now you get going. And the game of life starts happening again. But here's what happens to many of us. We get into the third quarter of life. Next thing you know, it's over. You got one quarter left, and that's when we start panicking. Because we haven't done, we didn't really make the right adjustments at halftime. We took some things for granted. And now we are in the fourth quarter of life, whether it's retirement money, financial, freedom, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. we're panicking. And those are the people that are walking around miserable and unhappy in many cases because they're panicked. They're scared. They, haven't, they know that they were supposed to do some things with their life And they didn't get out of the rat race And they didn't pay attention to the callings, the wake up calls And now they're feeling unhappy, unfulfilled, stressed And you don't want to wait till the fourth quarter To start figuring out your purpose in life You want to do that as soon as possible And there are children, musical geniuses Maybe they're around music all their life And they love music and they know they were born to to play or to sing or to entertain like Michael Jackson or whatever. Okay, that's wonderful. But when you look at the big picture, that's a very small percentage of people who figure out what their purpose is, why they're here on this earth. Very few figure that out. And most don't. But there are some. There are some that I've spoken to people and I've said in crowds, how many of you know your purpose? A few hands go up. And it makes you feel good because you can tell how quick the hands go up yeah. if they're really on to something. Now, they, mm. they may know their purpose, but they're not necessarily living it, maybe. But at least they know it. So they're on first base. Now how do you get them from first base to second base to third base to home? There has to be a process for that. And that's why I created the blueprint for success. But it starts with purpose. So I speak on purpose a lot, and I spend a lot of time on purpose. But even though purpose, and then mindset is next, intentional mindset, because the having an intentional mindset, creating the mindset, gets you through, pulls you through the weeds of life. Because there's going to be bumps and road r- r- road hogs, and all this stuff is going to get in the way. Tours. Yeah, all this stuff is going to get in blocks. the way. So you got to have the right thinking you got to have the right mindset. And then we get to action plan and that's where all your emotion is going to come out. And it's going to be tied to your action plan because if you don't if you have a plan and the road gets tough, you just abandon your plan if you're not emotionally connected to it. And then I teach people to leverage the results because if you're doing something you're going to get some results. So we talk about how do you leverage not just the positive results that you get? What about the negative results and the negative outcomes? How do you turn those either into a more positive state or what can you learn from those negative results so that you don't travel down that road again? You know, when we're young, we're in school, Johnny gets his hand slapped for having a bad grade. Well, that imprint he carries into high school, he carries into adult life. And Mm -hmm. so people will run towards the good results but they'll run away from the negative results. They won't. They don't want to touch them. Right. Yeah. But that's that's there's growth there. There's some good stuff there. But you got to look at it differently. But so th- that's the basic model, process blueprint. But there's something on the front end of even before you even start with purpose. And then there's something in the middle there, that's the secret sauce of the blueprint. So if I take you back to before purpose, I don't even work with clients until I understand and they are able to get out. We talk about what are the gremlins. What are the gremlins in their life that they've ignored, tried to push down, pretend don't exist, that have been gnawing at them, eating at them, and holding them back from either becoming who they can become, getting what they want out of life. Example. Johnny, as a kid, is told he's never, ever going to amount to much, and it's been imprinted on his mind all his life. Mm -hmm. He becomes an adult. He lives that out. He never, ever lives full potential because he's already been pre-programmed by some adults. Unfortunately, some parents, some caregivers, some aunts and uncles just missed the boat on that. However, Johnny's friend down the street, his parents told him he can be anything he wants to be within reason. And they've always encouraged him to try guitar, to try uh, bicycling, to try swimming, to compete here, compete there, do this. This child has been told, You can do it. The world's your oyster. And so when he grows up, he lives that out. She lives that out. There's a huge difference. So what we need to pay attention to before we even get started coaching, in coaching, is we need to uncover those gremlins. I spend a lot of time with people. When those gremlins come out and we understand what they're dealing with, we assign them another role. Because we don't get rid of them. We either ignore them, push them down. They're always at our heels, clipping at our heels. We just don't recognize it. Mm, Yeah. So what we do is we reassign the role into a more current role so that they're serving us today in a more positive way. Give me an example of of something like that. I used to do this to myself. I used to stand in front of the mirror and tell myself how much I love myself. I would reinforce, I love me some Randy Powell. (laughs) I love me some Randy Powell. And then I got to a point where I would say it to other people and they would smile just like (laughs) you. And I would tell jokes like, I got up this morning, I, I got in front of the mirror, I brushed my teeth, I washed my face, and I kissed the mirror. I love myself so much. It's positive reinforcement. But if nobody else was telling you that, but you're able to tell yourself that, it changes your whole attitude. It changes your spirit. And you can have fun with it as well. Hmm. So that's just a, a simple example. What a, what a great thing
1: to do. Yeah, I I can only imagine. You know the the power of self talk mm-hmm. is you know there's obviously there's a lot of things that we could get into, but I am a huge believer that self talk will will make us or break us. Yeah, and too many times we're we're carrying on conversations that we heard when we were a kid, like you said. You know, okay, you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Johnny's dad's telling him he's not good enough, or he, or he's an a hole, or you know he's not, whatever the, the thing is, and then Johnny grows up, his dad's not in the picture, but but that memory and that conversation still happening, but now Johnny's the one that's, that's saying it, and and again, and I think that's exactly why he ends up keeping himself in a box, so that's a really good idea. That's a really good idea. I, I recommend anybody out
0: here to try that. Yeah. <laughs> and tell me what you guys think. Yeah, you know, you gotta love yourself before you can gonna love other people, too. And one of the things to reinforce that is to have that conversation with yourself. My mom used to say, "You can't mess around and tell somebody their backyard's all junky and the grass needs to be cut when yours isn't cut and clean." Same kind of concept. Wise woman. Yeah, just it's a different kind of concept. But you know, how can you counsel someone else or coach someone else about something that you haven't, you know, mastered yourself? And how many people do that? Yeah. Yeah, it happens all the time.
1: Yeah. Yep. Lots of people that don't have kids are telling people that do have kids mm-hmm. what to do. Jobs, you know, whatever. Single. The ones that do have kids are telling the ones that are single what they should do. And, yeah, it is know. an interesting world we live in. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And, you know, so so that being said... About the world that we live in, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's a lot of negative influences, negative factors of of society that that you know that divide us. Mm -hmm. And without and I and I think it's a good thing to get into because I'd like to hear your Mm -hmm. opinion on what you know you're a Republican or you're Democrat or Mm -hmm. you're black or you're white Mm -hmm. or you're a liberal or a conservative Mm -hmm. or you're anti-gun or you're pro-gun or you're an anti-masker or a vaxxer or it's it's like every little thing every corner of every room yeah. is is to separate us and and i listen to things and i try not to get too involved because i know no most of the things that i say aren't going to matter on somebody that they already have their mind set up you know made up and so it's like well you know Man, that's unfortunate that this person thinks this way, or, and then look back. You know, I'm not gonna think that way, and try to just focus on something mm-hmm. positive and not even think about that. So, and and I'm talking about BLM. I'm talking about Trump. I'm talking about Biden. I'm talking about all of sure. the all of the the triggers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't matter where you're from. Yeah. And so, so I'm just curious. What do you hear things that you're just like, what? Yeah. And
0: how, are you, how do you react? Well, I, I don't know that I react. My first, the first thing I do is listen. And then I measure it against history and my own personal history, my family history. And when times get really tough in those areas that you're talking about, that are, are life, I think about my ancestors, and I start with my grandmother, but I go, then I go back to my great-grandmother and farther back. And I stop when I get to the point of the wisdom that I need, hmm. depending on how far back I have to go. So, for example, my grandmother is of mixed race. High cheekbones, very light skin, silver long hair, But even though we came over from another country through the Jamaican Islands and so forth, she ended up in Mississippi, migrated to Ohio. My mother, born and raised in Ohio, ended up in Boston and married. Hmm. So now we've got Boston in the 50s. Okay down to the 60s with kids in South Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia, raised by a a single woman who was one of the first African-American women to teach and have a lifetime teaching credential in the state of Mississippi. Oh, very cool. And I think about the the fact that my my grandmother was a default Methodist and my mother was Methodist. My father and my mother... He won in terms of Randall's going to be not Methodist. He's going to be <laughs> Roman Catholic because my father was Roman Catholic, so I went to Catholic school till fourth grade. Couldn't stand it. That was back in the days when they actually had yep, rulers. Oh yeah, and I had the iron ruler way more than the average person. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so I got out of that, thank goodness. So I I look at those times. And what my mother was taught and what my mother taught us and those times when I sat next to my grandmother while she's reading the Bible and listened to her stories and how she interpreted things and then how she talked about our family history. And our family is very, very mixed. So we come from all different walks of life and there's all different political views, I would imagine. There's probably all different Cultural viewpoints So I think about all that and I think about what is the reason that there is an argument over something? So I back away to try to understand is it about money or is it about power? Mm. It usually comes down To money or some other kind of power power over people power over things money enough to control things Enough to control people. It's very seldom about freedom. Now, when I say very seldom about freedom, I'm thinking in terms not necessarily of freedom from slavery or freedom for the right to this or the right to that. It's not, they use that because that's what gets people upset. Trigger points. Yeah. But it's typically money and power. If it's all about money, then I have to investigate Where's follow the money. Where's the money going? Is the money going to some evil, something evil, or something uh, unethical, or something that could hurt somebody, or is it going somewhere good? Is the power over people to suppress or influence for good or bad? And then I try to assimilate whether or not this is worth me getting involved, get upset over, et cetera, et cetera. Do I see things and do I feel things? Absolutely. I have five kids. Two of them are stepchildren. They're all adult. All of our kids are adults. One is in the Coast Guard, and he's, in, he wasn't, he's doing drug and addiction on the high seas at one point. Yeah, I don't think he's doing that now. I have a stepdaughter who's an accountant, followed my wife. Uh, my wife trained her my oldest son was in law enforcement and then got injured so he has now become a nurse practitioner oh, wow. i have a, my middle son who I just got back from visiting on um, a holiday weekend he's serving as a government agent my youngest is a sports broadcaster sports writer hmm. and there's there's diverse. a lot of there's a lot of, yeah diverse yeah And these two happen to be white, okay, with Italian and Irish background. And my three sons are mixed. So it's interesting because I come from a blended family in a culture, especially over the last four years, where there's all this, I call it, mess going on, right? Yeah, and I have to have Pretty conversations accurate. with each one of them, and the context of the conversation, even though we're talking about the same thing, the context is different, hmm. because they have they all have their own perspective, but they also haven't lived through what I lived through in the '60s, growing up in right outside of Philly, back in the day, right. So they didn't really they didn't see Martin Luther King alive. They didn't understand and you know, through history books, maybe Malcolm X or any of the stuff that if you go back far enough, that shaped the the true freedoms that, and equal rights that people are arguing over now, even in 2021. So it's just an interesting question from the standpoint. Do I see things? Yeah. Have I been act, in, impacted by things? Yeah. I watch maybe 15 minutes of news. In the morning, and maybe 15 at night, and I cut it off. Yeah. You can watch too much of that, right? Yeah. And then that becomes unsettling. So you have to stay informed a little bit, but I listen, and I listen to PBS. I listen to uh, news channels outside of the top three or four, just for conversation. You understand different perspectives. Yes. Yes you know cuz you have to stay a little informed right absolutely yeah
1: i i've found myself a couple times listening or or maybe reading a post and then getting inflamed <clears throat> and so but one one thing that i'm happy a, a skill that i've developed is self reflection mm-hmm. and and i have little red flags that come up like well, why am i so upset right now right mm-hmm. why, why is that and then i ask myself and there are you know, so so my biggest thing is I'm probably my circle are more Republican conservatives. <laughs> However, especially uh, going to USC, I have a lot of people from that ballpark that are more on the liberal, uh, Democratic side. And so on Facebook, I I see both, and I see some that are just slinging mud, and and I see that both have valid viewpoints. Mm-hmm. They both have valid view- and. Both sides, smart mofos, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and, and a lot of times on this side, they'll say, ah, stupid Democrat or stupid Republican, <laughs> but they're both smart. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And so what I found in talking to some of my liberal friends is that the first, the first base is humanity, right? Yep. Is I, I love this guy. I like this guy because yeah. we have a relationship and regardless what color is his favorite color mm-hmm. or what food is his favorite food or what he likes to do in his spare time, mm-hmm. whether it's football, baseball, shaving lambs, I don't care. It doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because, you know, and if we can connect on that level first, then the viewpoints that that they have don't offend me. Mm-hmm. It is a learning opportunity, because why does this person think that? There's a reason. Mm-hmm. It's not because they're a bad person. It's because things that have happened in their life that have caused them to think this way. Well, what is that and yeah. why? And when you dig, see, and part of the problem in my opinion is that people do not spend enough time digging to find out. It's, everything is at face value. Everything is immediate gratification. You're wearing a blue shirt. What's up cuz? <laughs> I'm a, I'm a blood or you know mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it and it stops there. People don't and if they would just take a little bit extra time just to see what the other side it seek to understand. Yeah,
0: seek to understand.
1: Yeah, if if they could do that I feel like
0: things would be so much better but But everything people want to rush to judge. And they look at the surface like you said. And if they, if on the surface they were trained not to like blue so they see somebody wearing blue, they immediately judge them. It could be a, the car they drive. You can make an assumption about somebody driving an older car and be totally off-kilter off, off kilter from what's really going on. They may be driving an older car because they love that old Datsun B210. They can't give it up, but yet they have a Bentley in the garage that you would never know about because they're restoring this B210 because they happen... To be living back in the day when they were a teenager, going to college or whatever, and that was their car. And you can totally misjudge somebody by the way they dress. Now, what I have spent a lot of time doing to help people not misjudge people as much as possible, I try to remind young people that two people can go into a store and be dressed differently and get treated differently. And then you could take those same two people, dress them the opposite, send them in the store, they're going to be treated differently. You could send them into the store again another time and put them in a three-piece suit with some shiny shoes, and all of a sudden they're going to be treated differently again. It's just an experiment. So people judge based on the surface stuff. They also judge what comes out of your mouth. The moment you speak, people judge your intellect. It's just the way it is. It's human nature. So if you if you don't speak well and you don't communicate well, you can expect to be judged. Now, can you overcome that later? Yes, but it's hard to overcome that first impression, as we know, whether you do an interview or whether you're just somebody just hearing you talk. Energy. The, the more energy you have, the more attractive you're going to be. People want to be around higher energy people. They don't want to be around dead people that are walking dead. They have no energy, no life. It's not attractive. So when I'm coaching younger people, I try to give them some tools and information that helps them see things a little differently. Does that that make sense? Absolutely. When it comes to judging. 100%. And and if you don't want to change or make adjustments, at least you know that that's, that's happening. So don't be surprised by it. Don't be caught off guard. And then for those of you who want to make some changes and understand that's going to help you so-called get get to a, a place you want to be in life, then you at least have that information and you can work with that. You know, I got to share this conversation
1: I had with my daughter. So my daughter uh, is 22 now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: full of piss and vinegar,
0: mm-hmm.
1: big time, and is smart as a freaking whip. Beautiful, smart as a freaking whip. And and she's ornery, <laughs> and so she wanted to get a couple tattoos, right? And mm-hmm. she's already had a couple tattoos, but she wanted to get tattoos behind her ears.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm like, Linz, it's it's cool if you do what you do. Cause you're 22. You're your own person now, but people are gonna judge you, you know. And you walk into a place, and, and why let somebody judge you? without knowing, you know, and, and it could affect something that you might want to get mm-hmm. and you're going to have a negative judgment on you. And she's like, dad, if somebody's going to judge me from a tattoo, I don't want them anywhere near me. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, she makes a good point. She makes a good point. And, and so, you know, I guess as long as you are aware that people judge, you yep. Then you can judge
0: the judging people. And, and so it all.
1: Yeah. As long as you got the right perspective. I think it's awareness.
0: I guess. I, uh, yeah, it's awareness, and you have to understand that, hey, some, someday you may not want that tat. You may want to remove it later. You just don't know what, what's ahead. But where you are right now, maybe it fits. You know, if you're a rock star, certain things fit, certain dress fits. If you want to go into work for IBM, that's a different fit. Google's a different fit. Facebook is another fit. Just depends on what you want. And that's why I say you gotta go back to what do I really want? Who am I, why am I here, what am I doing? What am I supposed to be doing? Do I know, do I care? If I care, then I've gotta take that into account because today, I'm, today I am who I am. Five years from now, I'm still gonna be who I am but I'm gonna have some changes that have taken effect and I've got to know that that's going to be coming at me down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: and you know there just real fast there's another, you know, when you're talking about energy and there is a uh, there's a guy Jim Laird and he did he worked with I think 17 world champions in different sports and he was talking about self-talk mm-hmm. and the importance, but one of the nuggets that that he threw out there that made me really chew on it for a while was that we think that time is our most precious, valuable, limited resource. He made the argument that it is not time, it is energy. Because if you have high energy and you're focused, I mean, look at Bruce Lee, I always bring him up. He's 32 years old and, and he died a year after I was born. And the ripple effect of that man is still, he's still making, yeah. and. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to, I read his book, Striking Thoughts, and you you get to hear how he thought and his philosophy on, on a, a whole bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. Wow. You really, you really look at, and, and he put that philosophy of it is energy into practice. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we're all experiencing that now and so i'm and and then he gets to a point where in order to get that level of energy it is derived from purpose mm-hmm. and so yeah, what purpose. you're doing i think is is a really powerful good thing
0: yeah and and you know uh, someone asked me not long ago, <laughs> where do you i forget how they said it but basically they were asking me well where do you get your energy you, know, you get up at 5 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning. You're going until 6, 7, eight o'clock at night. Where do you get your energy? And it's not that I don't get tired. It's just that I know that I'm, I'm working towards something, and it's it's not even, it's not a job. You see, you can't get burnt out when you're fulfilling your purpose. You might get tired, but as soon as you rest, you're charging ahead again. And so it's kind of like that the Duracell battery, you know? <laughs> it, it's just it's hard to explain when you have that kind of energy. My wife sometimes she'll go, you're too much for me and too much for me. Can you just get away from me right now?
1: Take it down a couple notches. I'm trying to relax here. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. She said that the other day in the car. I, I had to hold back. I'm like, okay. I, I give her her ride to, to the work, to the job and then I can get back to what I'm doing, you know, get back to feeling it, get on the right frequency for whatever's next. But then someone said, well, what does your coach have to say about that? My coach loves it. My coach loves it. Because the coach understands. Because the coach has gone deep with you. And spent a lot of time. You know. And so when you understand where, what's driving a person. Where they're coming from. You can understand their level of, their frequency they're on. That energy that they have. It's all, and it's all, it's, everything's Energy. Everything is energy, it's just a matter, it's all in different frequencies, it's all coming to you, and and there are times when you have to dial it back, there are moments when of course you have to dial it back, and then those other moments where you just give it freely, and people people get charged up, and then they're able to energize themselves and, and work off of your battery energy, so to speak, you know, so that's a good thing too, I get clients We'll be talking, and I can tell right away. I said something to someone last night on a coaching call. Why is your energy so low? What's going on? And she's like, oh, nothing, I'm okay. I said, no, <laughs> no, you're not okay. <laughs> but it took a moment to get it out, right? It was something that her boss had said to her and something her boss had been working kind of on her nerves about, trying to put, dump not work on her that the boss gets paid to do, but is not holding, you know, herself accountable and is trying to push it off. And she finally said, I spoke up. I spoke up. And I said, Congratulations. Now you need to let it go. Mm. You spoke up. It's over. You know? Mm. But you can tell. You can tell. Well, I'm sure that there
1: are gonna be people that have that are listening to this and, you know, as of right now, if they wanted to contact you or get in touch with you and, and even
0: work with you, how how would they get a hold of you? Oh my goodness, it's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> so they can jump on my website, Randy dot com. So it's R A N D Y P O W E L L Speaks. S P E A K S dot com. Randy Powellspeaks dot com. Randy Powell Speaks. Yeah, the calendar is there. They can get a thirty minute consult with me and we can go from there. Absolutely. Or they can even call me up personally. I answer, the, my, I answer my cell phone. I really answer my cell phone. Unless it's one of those crank uh, potential scam calls yeah. or whatever. You know, you get a lot of those.
1: Or your your warranty on your car is up. up yeah. And... <laughs> I, I've been
0: getting that one a lot, too. But my cell phone is 909-720-0207. So it's 909-720-0207. It has a nice little ring to it. It does. Yeah. It does. All right. Well, I
1: know you have things to do, and and I'm sure that we could talk, and oh, I'm yeah. sure we're going to talk a lot more as sure, well, absolutely. you know, through this and Toastmasters, and then even uh, maybe putting a little event together or something like that, doing, doing something. That'd be awesome. You know, that would be awesome, and I think it's needed. I think that right now, with the remnants of the COVID disaster... I feel yeah. like there's a lot of work that needs to be done to get people, you know, pick them up back by their bootstraps, and and including myself.
0: Yeah. Get know, them inspired. Get them, you know, a lot of people are not wanting to go back to the physical location, or they're as reassessing their lives now. And so, what is it that I should be doing? That I could be doing? That I want to do? So, what are people's needs and wants? And that's a really big important thing to start helping people with right now. In fact, I'm thinking about doing a webinar or maybe even some master class for a series of classes soon my next webinar is in August but in terms of master classes we could do some mini master classes on zoom or something and get people in and have them really start getting some help and helping them redesign and figure out how do they switch gears how do they pivot you know and some people want to go back to exactly what they were doing but some people are going wait life's too short things have opened up and shown me that maybe I haven't uh, been paying attention to things I really want to pay attention to. And so there's a shift going on. And maybe we can help people make that shift or at least get them started thinking about it. Well, any top athlete that you have has a coach. Absolutely.
1: Having a coach is, I think, if you are trying to make an impact, I think it is a very good idea. Because a lot of times we jump to conclusions yep. and, and a lot of times we're off. And so it's good to have a sounding board, if nothing else, a sounding board to say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. And what, you know, hey, that's a good idea, but you aren't thinking of this or maybe, hey, I know somebody that, you know. And and so when you have a coach, you're not only having that sounding board, but you're also connected to a whole other network of, that's of people that can help you access and help you make things happen
0: that is true and you know i've been blessed in this last two years COVID, with all its horrible implications and the things that have happened to many people we were lucky we were blessed we were able to get the vaccinations on our own choice and, and that sort of thing but i was locked down by my wife really early because of my asthma and she's like this is a respiratory thing you're not going anywhere yeah and that but the bad, good bad. the good part of that the good news out of that was I was able to really focus on the business and focus on being connected to some really good people. I was connected, but now I'm really connected. So some some of the things that you're talking about, when people need help, we also take the time to direct them and put them with people who can also add value to them. So that's really key to the success yeah. of not only individual, but of myself and others. Just being able to connect to the right people because as you know you could spin your wheels if someone hasn't been vetted and you you haven't worked with them before like for myself I had a couple different website designers that just didn't work out for me now I could have saved a lot of time and heartache had I known the people I know now in just that one little small area right but you don't know what you don't know so really getting into the right family and groups of people that you can know like and trust and you see their work is is a big help it's a big help so networks are important as long as they're the right ones yeah i feel like that's kind of an
1: unspoken i feel like there are a lot of coaches out there that are talking about hey i'm gonna help you do this and help you do that but they don't really touch on the fact that hey i'm gonna help you And it's not just me. It's my network.
0: Yeah, you know, it absolutely is. It's not just our experience and the model that we use. And what I tell people, too, is really when you really boil it down, the answers are all inside of you. A coach's job is to use the tools and their experience, their experiences to help bring it out, to help guide you, to give you some things to think about. And there are some special tools we use, of course, and and that nature, but a lot of that goes back to pulling out of you what's already been given to you when you, before you were born, you were, you were given these gifts and talents, but you just may not have learned to leverage and which one is that one that will open up and allow you to become the person you're supposed to become. That's the key. So that's what I call success, right? And and freedom is being able to go where you want to go, do what you want to do, love what you're doing, and surround yourself around the people that you want to be around at your choosing, when you choose. Can't get happier than that. I I
1: agree. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what could be. Yeah. But um, I think that this is a a good place to end it. I feel like we've had a really good, informative meeting and um i've learned i really like your football analogy that's like great that? i haven't heard that before that's yeah. that's really good so i'm glad i learned some things and i'm glad that i got the chance to sit down and talk to you again and i'm glad that the people that are listening to this podcast are going to benefit from listening to some of your insights. well so, it's been
0: awesome and thank you for the invitation to come and sit down with you yeah and i appreciate your time mr scotty carl
1: <laughs> all right mr randy Powell speaks you heard it guys And thank you again for tuning in to the MOVE Podcast. I am Scotty Carlisle. I love you, but it's time to leave you.